This is Bob Rourke with Business Leaders Podcast, and today we're in Tampa, Florida, and I have as my guest, Sharita Herring. Sharita is a nonprofit expert and business strategist. She's the owner of Creative Images Foundation. She's a certified grant consultant with over $30 million worth of grants secured the largest being around $14 million, so a very successful grant writer. Sharita, thanks for taking the time to be on the show. Oh, thank you. It's an honor. Super. Well, Sharita, tell me a little bit about your business and who you serve. I serve individuals that want to make a difference in the world, and that could range from celebrities and athletes to someone that has a soup kitchen and they're working with the homeless. So anyone that wants to make a difference, that's my ideal client. Now, I've got to say this, though, Bob, in the past three or four years, most of my clients have been these super entrepreneurs and small business owners. You know, you know, and, and I think for most of us, you know, when we hear about Grant, and I certainly did before I had listened to you speak. Uh-huh. And I think this is the second or third time I've heard you speak about uh-huh. grants. Mm-hmm. There's an enormous misconception or disconnect between, you know, around what people think about grants. So uh-huh. let's dig into what they do and and how you view grants and cover some of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like I said, in the past few years, it's been entrepreneurs and small business owners because before they would not look or even consider the grants or nonprofit arena because they've just felt like, well, I first of all, I need to make a profit. And the misconception is one of the main things that people ask is, can a nonprofit make a profit? And yes, it can. There are multi-million and even billion dollar nonprofits. A nonprofit just it means it's a non-stock corporation. So once I get them past that misconception, then they're mine. <laughs> you know, it, right now, you and I have talked a lot. Mm-hmm. And we were talking before the show. And you've got a project going on now with some uh, small town mayors. Mm-hmm. Let's do kind of walk through, if we can, like a case study of what you did, you know, for the small town mayor that you did the grant for. Mm-hmm. Well, first I was on tour and it took me through small town America. And I realized that so many small towns are drying up across the country. We did a little research and there's the graying of America that's going on. What does that mean? Well, you got young kids that live in small towns. They can't wait to grow up and leave. And then what's being left in these small towns are individuals that now on an average are 60 years old and older. So they're losing jobs, you know, empty homes, empty schools, and you've just got the older people that are left there. And that's what's happening. So towns are drying up. So being on tour, I went through my uncle's small town in Arkansas. He's the mayor of Twin Groves, Arkansas, did a workshop there and have been coaching them on how to do sustainability efforts and go after funding for their town. Well, my uncle was recently awarded a $500,000 grant so that now He has a brand new road running through his small town of Twin Groves, and he's doing so many other things that he had no idea he could do until stepping further into this arena. And that's what's happening. A lot of these small mayors, small town mayors, if they're not getting the dollars through the government, they just figure there's no money when there's so much other money for bridges to rehab their movie theaters and a lot of other things that could bring more tourists to their town. And speaking of tourists, most people aren't aware there's millions in tourism grants. You know, I think so much of what struck me the first time I listened to you speak was I was just maybe ignorance, the wrong word. I didn't even know that I didn't know. I mean, it was, you know, in the grant space, you know, I've heard of grant writers through the years and Uh people have various and sundry opinions of grant writers. Mm -hmm. You know, they love them if they're successful and they're dubious if they're not. (laughs) And so you've attacked that issue as well, haven't you? Yes. And see, for one, people want to blame the grant writer. But a grant writer is only as good as the information received. Let me explain a little bit, Bob. People are here at this forum 
learning all week how to do what? How to raise capital, Mm -hmm. how to speak to investors, how to prepare their documents. Well, in the nonprofit arena, grant funders are nothing but investors. But the moment that I try and get someone to look at this arena and to learn about the grants, oh, I don't want to do that. I want somebody else. I need a grant writer. You've got to learn how to go after your own money. And a grant proposal is nothing but a business plan. And to approach an investor is the same language in the nonprofit arena as the for-profit arena. But instantly, people want to leave that up to a grant writer. Now, I'm very successful in what I do and have raised millions. But Bob, I don't know you well enough to write your plan for you. No, how many certifications you have. Who are your contacts? What have been your successes? You know, that's what goes into that proposal. So anyone that's leaving that totally up to the grant writer, if a grant proposal is not successful, it's that person's fault too. You know, it's funny, almost from my limited experience in the grant space, Mm -hmm. it's invariably, we turn it over to a grant writer, you know, and you see some of the work in a grant writer's work, you know, it's not personalized in their approach. And there's many different things and kind of go, well, and from my perspective, I don't know if that's a good job, bad job, or an in-between job, because I have no background whatsoever. Yes. So for you, you've been teaching how to do grant writing for a very long time. Since 1988. And up until recently, you were out in the big city. You were out in Los Angeles, California, (laughs) since 1988. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, in that space, there was a number of folks that you worked with. Mm -hmm. and, And I don't know that you can disclose their names. Oh, sure. But, you know, perhaps it would be useful for the listeners to understand some of the folks, you know, who they are and what they did. Mm-hmm. Well, from Tippy Hedren, mm-hmm. who is actually the beautiful blonde from the old uh, Hancock movie, The Birds. Mm-hmm. She now has a huge animal rescue, which for big cats. Mm-hmm. And she even has Michael Jackson's two white tigers. Well, she has a nonprofit up out of Palmdale, California. And she's just an amazing spirit. But she has all these huge animals, a great sanctuary. And so she needed some coaching on running her nonprofit effectively in board development. And then the legendary Jim Brown has saved thousands of lives as far as gang members. His American program has an awesome reading program, but he also has helped with jobs and helping them to go for higher education. And then even a construction company, Rodney Shepard, RSS Development, was doing a lot of building around in Los Angeles, but didn't realize if he had a nonprofit, what he could do. And he doubted it for a couple of years until we developed Global Link, his nonprofit. And that's where he got the $14 million grant to do some development in Watts, California. And then there's Bill Duke, the movie producer. He loves youth, always talking to youth about going into the movie industry, had been trying to get funding for years. But when I looked at his proposal, there there were too many gaps. Well, unless you understand what you're trying to write, which someone should have explained it to him, he didn't know that that wasn't a good proposal. Within a few weeks, I rewrote his proposal and he got his hundred grand that he had been trying to get for three years, you know. And so it's about knowing how to answer their questions. It's not mystical, Bob. Someone that has a business plan, I could take and show them, okay, what this says here in paragraph four, this drops into number six on this application. It's just knowing that a grant proposal is nothing but a business plan. And when they're asking the question, where do you pull your information and drop it into that application. And I think that's such a big disconnect. Mm-hmm. You and I have talked at length about being able to affect change. Mm-hmm. You know, and in the grant space, if you were to guess on an annual basis, what's the volume of grant money that's not Oh my utilized? God. I don't even know the number. I just know that it is millions mm-hmm. that go back. And even Bob, in the down economy from 2007 all the way up to like 2011, millions of dollars were going back untouched. 
And I'm trying to show people, look, even the small for-profit businesses that were drying up and dying. I'm saying, look, if you would just look at this money, for instance, a small boutique, you got a woman that runs her business by herself in the community, can't even leave to go to lunch because she's her only employee. And I'm sitting and looking at all these young kids that are getting out of school, walking past her. Many of them are very stylishly dressed. She doesn't realize that she can have an after school job training program, teaching entrepreneurship, inventory control, like in her facility, customer service. But she doesn't realize that grants would even cover the cost for their salary. And it's an after-school job training program. Many of them are very into fashion. She could even have a fashion design program because somebody, she had dummies in the facility, you know, the, and somebody needs to dress those to make the clothing appealing mm-hmm. to those that walk in. And she didn't realize that all that could be a program and grants would be covering the cost and paying the cost for her lease. You know, for the folks that are listening in the first time that I saw you speak, you said there's a grant for that. Yes. <laughs> and, and it's kind of ubiquitous now. Everybody yes. that knows you go, yep, there's a grant there's for that. There's a grant for that. <laughs> you know, so before I get too far into the episode, what's the best way that people can reach out to you? Oh, they can go to my website at kifoundation.org. Okay. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And you and I have developed a friendship through our various meetings down here at this forum. Mm-hmm. And she's as outgoing as you hear and got a great smile. <laughs> and she's highly competent. And yeah. we talk about doing well by doing good. Mm-hmm. And in the grant space, there's so much opportunity to affect change. Yes. You know, in, in many different venues around the country. And, and it's, you know, in the bigger mission thing, you're on the bigger mission. Yes, always. You know, there's so much. I just I just taught a class and was showing them just in this year alone, 2018, do you know there's been 17 school shootings? And what they have found, they studied 31 of the shooters and 17 of them were showing either some mental issue or anger issue well before the shooting happened. Well, Bob, the more I see that, I'm talking to individuals every day that help with self-esteem, leadership skills, motivation, even masseuse or individuals that can go in and teach yoga. There's grant funders that are specifically focusing on those individuals taking yoga and other meditative strategies to child care centers because they realize that if they can reach the individuals early in life, they will grow up to be well-rounded adults. There will be less bullying, less low self-esteem, better communication skills. And so when I meet individuals that are here at CEO Space and so many of these business owners that are teaching business owners leadership skills and improved communication, I tell them, do you have children or do you have an interest in working with youth or speaking at schools? Yeah, Sharita, but I have to get paid. But you can. Mm -hmm. And so the more individuals that I can show them how they can increase their client base while making a difference in the world. I can't shut up about that, Bob. Well, I, I can't see in you being a retiring and quiet anyway. No, no, that can't happen. <laughs> so, you know, with that being said, we were talking also that you've got a few things coming up in the near future where you're presenting or speaking. Let's chat yes, about that. Yes, yes, yes. I call it laughing your way to the bank. Every year I speak at the comedy convention in Los Angeles. And so because people pigeonhole me just thinking, well, Shreedy, you're the grant lady or the nonprofit lady. Why would you go to the comedy convention? Bob, I started out as a motivational speaker first. But what I found is a lot of times people get motivated when they hear a motivational speaker or a transformational expert or whatever, and they're really motivated. But then when they get home and life things happen, either cooking for the kids or a death in the family or whatever, we get distracted. And then when we go back to that that motivated us, we're not, now what? Well, Bob, I provide the now what? See, once a person gets motivated, 
I'm able to show them that there is profit for their passions. And these are the steps that you can take in order to now make that motivation that you have in your gut happen. Because there's truly profit for your passions in this arena, Bob. And I get so excited because people have a vision or they have an idea and or they've got an old dirty napkin where they've written some ideas and it's just kind of sitting to the side. Because first of all, people think of this arena as the side gig or maybe a hobby when actually the nonprofit arena has literally helped to sustain the U.S. economy. It's a trillion dollar industry the third largest business sector in the United States. So the more that I can get individuals to look at this and see that it's not that you have to go and start something and go a whole nother direction. I'm saying right on the path that you're on, it's like you're looking at that door and you see capital or revenue on that door and you're only looking at that and you're walking down a tight hallway to get it and you're hitting grant dollars as you go and knocking them on the floor and you're picking it back up saying, oh no, that's not me. Let me put that back. And there's individuals in the little uh, little windows along the hallway waving at you because they need you, but because you're only looking at the ones that can pay you, you're ignoring them. Well, the grants that are along the hallway, right below those windows are the people that's waving at you. If you take that money, then the next little doorway, you can open it up and say, come with me. I'm on this path, but I can serve you. Come with me. Because the grants are there to address a need and pay you to work with those individuals that otherwise you would not have served. You know, I, I tell you, folks, if you're not intrigued and or moved, you might want to check your pulse. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've, I've been uh, informed and it's it's been a real joy. And I'm incredibly thankful that Sharita has agreed to be on the podcast. So now it's the fun part for me. I get, yeah, I get yeah. to quiz you today. So that'll be fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, for you, you know, many of us are influenced by the books we read. What's the most influential book? That's altered your perception on being a CEO. Oh, my God. The Bible. Bob, there's well, first, I'm a preacher's daughter. And my dad always taught me, even when you're troubled, think of God, give him praise and stay in service. That's the original GPS for me. God, praise and service. I'm not trying to step on anyone else's toes. That's how I'm raised. But you got to know that there is a higher power, whether you just call it the universe or whatever. And Bob, what I realize is being taught to follow what my inner GPS is saying. I'm so glad to be working in what I love every day. And the grants arena has allowed me to show others that that's possible. Well, when I go back to that original book that even when it says you speak things into existence, that's from the Bible. When you talk about what you're needing, what your passion is, someone around you, if you're doing things right and if you're doing it for the right reason, they're going to hear you and connect you. CEO space, the way that Bernie and September, the way they've got it arranged and the major networking that happens more in one week than you can do in a year. It's because people are here, they're dedicated to what they love, they're speaking out what they want, and they're speaking things into existence. And even our networking is because of the way they're speaking it, that it is so and will happen. And so, so many of the scriptures are things that we will say out of the Bible. You know, there's one, and I think it's First Thessalonians, but it says, you know, keep your head down, mind your own business. Do the work. When you stay dedicated to what it is that you want to do and you stay dedicated to that, it's going to produce results, Bob. And this arena allows you to produce such results and touch lives again that you never would have touched before. And the funding is there. So again, your original question. Now, my house is full of books. I mean, I get teased when my son moves me. He's like, Ma, doggone, you got the heaviest boxes because I am a book person. I don't even read on Kindle. I mean, because I need to feel the pages. I write on my pages. I make notes. And so I love books, but my ultimate book and what I tend to go back to and what from the moment before I, my feet hit the floor, the fact that I woke up today, I say, thank you, Lord. And I don't mean to be offensive to anyone else, but 
that comes from that original book that is my go-to. Works for me. Yeah. <laughs> now, for you, looking back over the past, a failure or maybe at the time an apparent failure that served you or your company best or set you up for future achievement mm -hmm. and why? Well, I tell the story. I even have a YouTube video that talks about it. I treat my life like it's a bus. And all the people that you meet, they're in the seats on your bus, but you're the driver. And so if I get upset with someone, instead of putting them off the bus... I move them to the back of the bus because eventually I might need to turn and ask for some directions and they're the only one that knew. So I can turn around and ask so-and-so or make a call to a client and they can call that person or whatever. But if I put them off the bus, got upset, then, you know, that's past and it's gone. So there was a client, he's very prominent, he was a political person and we were to work together. I had done a lot for him on his campaign, done some strategy things and like that and he didn't pay me and I got very upset about it. I mean, I almost went to a few people that could have really done some damage and it was another one of my mentors, John Frierson, who is the boxing commissioner for California. He said, Sharita, don't do that. Use your relationship with him to build who you are and what you do. So what I did is I moved him back on the bus. You know, I didn't take it as a failure or anything else, I used it to do what I needed to do. And the fact that I could say that I worked with him and it's documented, that also brought me more clients. So I don't look at anything that happens as a failure. It's just a turn in the road. It's a bump. And you've got to know that you will recover, you know? For you, if you could put an ad on page one of the local paper, sharing your company message or advice, what would it say and why? <laughs> My company message, let's see, probably what I say all the time. There's a grant for that. Whether you're a poet, a painter, or a dog walker, whether you're an entrepreneur or a comedian or a councilman, there's a grant for that. Because again, Bob, I cannot watch a movie, the news, or anything without strategizing and seeing some things that I know could impact someone else's life. You know, you did that exercise with me, and you said if you don't think there's a grant for that, go to Google. And what would you tell somebody to type into Google to see if there's a grant on the topic they're interested in? Well, just recently, there was a guy that I was talking to. And he thought he was going to lose his horse farm. And, you know, he had been struggling since the down economy. And I said, you know, there's a grant for that. And he said, for which? And I said, where's your greatest need? Are you needing a ranch hand? Are you needing feed for the horses? Are you What are you needing? And so I needed to pull something out of him. So I said, look, let me just do this. And I just typed in grants, comma, horses. And through Google, I get the best searches from Google as far as the search engine. It came up grants for horses, whether it's equine, whether it's horse rescue, whether it's horse training, whatever. And so you can see the volume. So guys out there listening, you know, if you're looking to see if there's a grant available, just type in grant and your keyword. I think you'll be surprised. So, <laughs> so with that... What's the best allocation of either time or initiative that's helped your company most and why? The best time has been, I think, here at CEO Space. When I said for the past few years, now I'm working more with entrepreneurs and small business owners. Before, when I first started, Bob, I was going to the smallest nonprofits, those that were really struggling. And it's not that they still don't need me, but what it was, many of them didn't know how to run business. And it is a business. So to prepare for a grant, you've got to show your business strategy, you know, your capacity building efforts and all of that. So I had to put so much work first into showing them how to run their business that the grants were way down the line. You know, there's some prerequisites to being able to go after the grants. Well, when I'm teaching and working with entrepreneurs and small business owners that already understand business, now to see the funding that they can use, they hit the ground running. And since training here is when now I've been a grad since 1999. 
And I've been a faculty now for a number of years. So now with more of them seeing that, and even before Oprah went off the air with the, with her show, that's when I started seeing more of my clients on Oprah, Larry King. I've seen my clients on Ellen recently because they know how to take this information and truly start making it work. You know, with you, what would be your most unusual habit or what others may consider out of the ordinary that's helped you or your company most and why? Ah, the habit. I can't think of an unusual habit. Well, then you don't have any. You're just practically perfect in every way. (laughs) Perfect. I like it. You know, I I guess maybe, I I mean, I I can't even think of bad habits because I don't smoke. have wine now and then. (laughs) What's a bad habit in my business? It doesn't even have to be a bad habit. Or a habit. Oh, oh, a habit. Besides, you know what? I have to make myself not say there's a grant for that. I have to make myself because even when someone likes something, they can get sick of it. Mm -hmm. And we were, I was with my family in Kansas City and we were getting ready to go into IHOP. And it was a long line. It was a Sunday. And IHOP, smart move. They had a young lady out there doing balloon designs and hats for people and all that. And she's just, and it's making that noise. And I'm watching her and I'm thinking, wow, there's a grant for that. But I don't want to say it with my family there, right? Because I know they're thinking, I know she's going to say it any time. So while she's making these and she's the kids are laughing and she's making hats for people and she's making cars and all this. So when we finally get in, I already had a card out. Mm -hmm. And so after, and I was so glad that they circled us back around and we're sitting kind of in the back. I said, you guys, I got to go to the bathroom. And I go out and I go outside and I said, here, there's a grant for what you do. You know, there's grant. You could take this into schools. It's arts and crafts. And you can go into senior facilities. And I'm talking really fast and telling her, I said, so here, call me. Please call me. There's a grant for that. And I go back in and I go on back to the back and I sit down. Now I can relax because that was driving me crazy. But they had been, I had been, I was visiting and I was there for maybe a week. And I know I'd been talking about, yeah, and there's a grant for this. So they were probably sick of me. They probably couldn't wait for me to go back to Los Angeles. So I said, you know, what I'm going to go and approach the girl, but I'm going to keep that away from the family. So that's a habit that I've got to, I have to hone in on sometimes, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Over the past three years, what belief or protocol have you established in your company that's most impacted you or your company's success? Well, I would say it's beyond the three years. My motto is yo-yo, and that's you are your only limitation. There's nothing that when something is in your gut and it keeps you up at night, then the only limitation is you. And I can guarantee you there's funding for it. Now, over the past three years, I've gotten over some of my fears. Bob, I don't have a degree in this. I'm not a lawyer, though we've developed over 600 organizations, you know, and I do all the legal paperwork. I even train lawyers. So over the past three years, I had to get over the fact that though I'm not that lawyer, Though I don't have a a BA or a master's in something, I'm dang good at what I do. So I had to get past that. And that's been fairly recent. I'm 58, Bob, and it took me to be about 55 to just relax in that. One of the things that really showed me that I just really must be the stuff, (laughs) Vicente Fox, former Mm -hmm. president of Mexico, when he called and wanted me to come and train him and his staff and train some of the high up business owners there to show them how to be philanthropists because they don't have the same kind of mechanism to make it work in Mexico as they do here in the United States. To work with former president of a country and his wife, how good is that? You well, know? you know, you were also talking, as I'll go straight here a minute. There was after, I think it was Katrina. Uh-huh. And you did some work with the company down. And let's just dig into that for just a minute. Well, first I was watching the news. And when I'm watching the news, Bob, it's like me bringing in huge buckets of lemons. 
and I'm watching news and I'm excited and I'm making lemonade over here and I'm, I'm like, oh my God. Well, I'm watching Katrina and people are saying we need to send clothes, send food or whatever. And I'm looking at people that are knee deep and higher in water. One guy's even carrying a television. I'm like, where would they put anything anyone sends? So my mind goes to, they need housing. And so I called, I kept calling FEMA numbers. I'm calling everywhere I could. Do you have a database? Do you have a database? No one had a housing database. So I was already working with a nonprofits from veterans organizations to senior facilities to low income housing that had housing. So I put together a, the first and to my knowledge, only Hurricane Katrina and Rita housing database. And we started housing people all over the country. And you also did something with the wetlands. Oh, yes. Tierra, Tierra Resources. After the Gulf spill and all of what happened along the Gulf Coast, Tierra Resources, they came to me and they at first didn't know they could have a nonprofit. We formed their nonprofit and now they've done major work with the wetlands and then also restore the earth. They have what's called Gulf Saver bags and they plant these trees in a solution and with this bag, almost like a gunny sack that dissolves, but it gives them opportunity to set a foundation in that bag and then the roots grow out. And that way, because a lot of times when they go plant, like after a fire and all of that, a good rain comes and it washes a lot of that away. Well, Restore the Earth didn't know they could have a foundation and we formed their foundation. Now they've planted millions of trees. They've helped the Gulf Coast come back with Tierra Resources and Restore the Earth. They received a letter from Fish and Wildlife saying they'd never seen anything like this, that for this many trees to last and also uh, aid in bringing back habitat. So, Bob, it's just a blessing. It's such an honor to work with organizations and see the work that they do, you know. Well, we drifted off the yeah. rail for sure. Yeah. But, yeah, that that was such a good story. So, for you, what are the most common misconceptions about your role as CEO in your firm? Well, first of all, people expect miracles from grant writing firms, from those that deal in the nonprofit arena. It is a business. It's a corporation. And the individual, the, the, the business owner must be involved in that process. And a lot of people feel like that nonprofit means you can't make a profit. I've even seen them get upset when they see that a nonprofit executive might make six figures or 1.5 million. Your salary is based off of the operating budget of the organization. If you have a multi-million dollar organization, it would seem ridiculous that an executive makes 45000 a year. Now, another, a lot of people aren't aware that the, the NFL up until 2015 had been a nonprofit. Since its inception, the PGA is a nonprofit. The National Hockey League is a nonprofit. And they say, what? They make millions. But see, there's a misconception of what is a nonprofit and what it can do. Do you realize how many jobs one NFL game creates in a city? And so if they're not able to be a form of a nonprofit that gets some kind of tax breaks, creating all those jobs, plus they're constantly giving to schools. They're helping, you know, within the medical industry. There's so many things that they do behind the scenes that most people don't see. And again, people are upset because of their lack of knowledge about this industry. Mozilla, Firefox is a nonprofit. Hospitals, unless they say privately owned, are nonprofit. Credit unions are nonprofit. A lot of funeral homes are nonprofit. If people die, that funeral home has to bury them anyway. So they're able to get grants and funding to help cover the cost of individuals that normally would not have been buried. <laughs> you know, I think about all of the things that we don't generally know in the population about nonprofit in the grant space. Mm -hmm. It's really profound. Somehow or another, that just didn't show up in the curriculum. <laughs> That's true. That's you know, true. Looking back over the past few years, what would or should you have said no to 
and why? I should have said no to myself, meaning, Bob, and that's why today when I taught the class, I said, you've got to go back and address your fears and your strengths and your weaknesses and know them so that then you can tackle the things that that make you weak in a certain area as far as doing business. And some of it will go into your adulthood. I told the story about, I read this book called Birth Order Book. And Bob, when two adults are either interacting or laying there in bed, there's really four people, the adult you and the child you. And our chatter from our childhood a lot of times shows up. And so for years, Bob, when I first started my business, I kept having financial problems. Even as a single mom, I kept having financial problems. From the child, I was the youngest child. My brothers and sisters were four and five years older. We go into a store. I can get some penny candy. I'm excited. And I say, oh, I, I want to get that. Can I get that? How much money do I have? My older sister would say, don't worry about it. Just get it. So there's things that we're groomed in as children that until we address that, See, I didn't need to learn financial literacy even as a child, you know, and in growing up, I just was always handed money to make sure I had gas in my car even when I had a car. And so there's characteristics that we will continue until we identify those. So I had to stop and say, yes, you are good at this. No, you're not good at this and do something about it. So I had to say no to myself in some ways and yes to some other ways. Yeah, and saying no to yourself oftentimes is not much fun. Yes. <laughs> you know, in your day-to-day operation of your company as the CEO, what do you think is your personal habit or self-talk dialogue that keeps you and the company focused? Well, my model, you are your only limitation. I worked with a, an organization, one of the biggest advertising firms in Hollywood. And again, I was on my way there and it kind of scared me because again, that's when that chatter was there that I didn't have my degree and I was getting ready to meet with some of the top lawyers and CPAs in Hollywood. And they were kind of challenging me that that organization could have a nonprofit, which we ended up forming the nonprofit. They got it in 41 business days, but they thought that that wasn't the case. So when you're running your business, Bob, you have to see, we will listen to our own chatter more than anyone else's. You have to have confidence that what you're doing, and see, that's why it's so important to love what you do. Because when you love it, you won't let it die. That old, that statistic about small businesses and how often they die. That's why I try and help people do what they love, what's in their gut, because then that chatter will lessen. And even when it does creep up, when you know what you know, you love what you love, no one else is in control of that. So that has kind of, you know, gone to the wayside. Now I am such a gung-ho where, Shrita, you are your only limitation. You know that you can do this. You've empowered individuals in this area. So that creeps up a whole lot more. And Bob, is such a good feeling to know I used to be a speaker with Sprint. I've done a lot of corporate training. But now I'm a speaker and I do a lot of corporate training and we're impacting lives that otherwise would not have been impacted. That's a whole lot more fun and gratifying than the other. So, You know, I, I think about it as, as we kind of come to the close here of the episode, you know, that old axiom of doing well by doing good. Yes. And for you, you have some initiatives that you're pursuing with the small mayors groups. Mm-hmm. And so be getting out in that world to speak. Yes. And for folks, again, you know, reach out to Sharita if you have some questions mm-hmm. about this arena. Nobody knows it more than she does. And so I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking time ah, out of your thank schedule you. thank to you. be a guest on the show. Thank you. It's been an honor. And you're a super guy. So good I mean, looking too. Works. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, we'll close. Thanks so much. Thank you. You bet. 